heaven high, heaven, heaven, heaven high. I'm just going to say hello today. This is episode 235 of Rums Doing. We didn't record last week because John ascended to heaven, but he decided it was a little too dull. So he's back with us, back with with the sinners for a little while longer. Uh, What's the topic today? The topic today is, is PewDiePie the next Hitler? I'm not going to answer that, but I'm, going can't. To, but I'm going to say that oh. I think he was unfairly treated. <laughs> we can't. You're not allowed to discuss it. I've I'm not, no, all you, said, all you said is I'm not allowed to discuss whether he's the next Hitler or not. Sorry, I'm using a loophole. Um, it's a blanket statement to satirise the whole nonsense. Okay. Well, he was poorly treated and nothing more will be said. Nothing more can be said because that's because the topic. Because you love the Nazis. Who doesn't? They had amazing dress sense. Um, any, Lovely flags. Any who, how are you doing? Yeah, me too. How about you, mate? Well, you had a lovely lion today and you're still whinging. I'm not, hey, what am I, what am I whinging about? Um, did you know that um, Mike Allen died? What? Yeah, of, bizarrely, of, was it Alzheimer's or something? No, I'm looking this up because I don't believe you. Also, I hadn't realised that he hadn't just been the slightly cuddly right-wing gay uncle on LBC, but he basically introduced uh, London to to hip-hop. Really? Yeah, he had a strange shadowy pre-life before he... Where's his Wikipedia entry? Yeah, uh, people won't know what we're talking about. That's a, but it's a bit of our um, childhood. That tributes paid to radio boss Mike Allen. There you go. No, oh, I'm really sad about that. It is sad, isn't it? So there you are. Explain to people why he's important to both of us in his own little way. Well, we've, he w- talked before about Robbie Vincent, but I think we've underserved Mike Allen. He he was our, a bit of our rum doings, wasn't he? He was. He was on uh, LB, the LBCs at Before weekends, it, hold on. Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights from nine, I think. When you say LBC today, you have, no, you have pictures the, of Nick, Nick Ferrari and Nigel oh. Farage. Let's remind people that it wasn't always that. It used to actually be London Broad. I still don't understand. How did you hear it? Because it was a London-only station and there were no I streamings lived, in those days. I lived in Guildford. It's it half an hour from London. What, the waves got far enough to listen to yeah. in Guildford? It, what with that Guildford being a satellite commuter town for London, yes. How strange. Yeah, hip-hop pioneer and talk radio legend. Interesting. So, yeah, he's How gone. Queer. So that's a, another memento mori, another uh, another stone on the grave of your childhood. He died in 2015. I should have been told. <laughs> I thought you meant like he just died. Uh, no, I only found out. That's a th- oh my goodness. that's the thing. We need some sort of service. We need a personal secretary that tells us when celebs that were important to us but not to other people have died, and let us yes. know as soon as possible so we can deal with it. It's not. It's unacceptable that these sorts of. I mean, it's still not actually true. For example, that Richard Richard Whiteley died, is it? No, no. I I, I give him that some thought, and no, he's he's still fine. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's kind of implausible. It just doesn't kind of work. Um, so no, Mike Allen, and he was, he was, he had a peculiar characteristic in that he was very avuncular. He was slightly camp, but, mm-hmm. but he was 
ever so delicately right wing and he used to go on say you know say things obviously you can be a socialist when you're a youngster but uh, when you get older and you've got a mortgage to pay that's nonsense and things like that uh, you know and you weren't supposed to enunciate your political opinions on these late night shows you're supposed to pretend to be sort of slightly above the fray so it, it always amused me and infuriated me the young commie that i was but i nevertheless liked to hear his discussions with fraudulent um um, doctors. Psych- doctor, doctors and psychics Dr. Yes. Michael Van Stratton Dr. Michael Van Stratton who treated everything with yoghurt I know we've mentioned that many not times not just yoghurt, also evening primrose oil oh yes of course evening primrose oil how can I forget he was a corpulent there's nothing, that, a GP that can you imagine the people going into his surgery just being told <laughs> evening primrose oil and yoghurt let's see if he's still alive Michael Van Stratton because he was, he was quite corpulent oh no he's even got a website michaelvanstratton.com sponsored by yop <laughs> yes I, I, does yop still exist <laughs> i can't believe my brain went straight to yop really uh, yeah. <sighs> don't, don't you remember the advertising don't say yes say yop uh, i remember all sorts of peculiar radio adverts at the time that was a that was a tv advert but anyway there was a radio advert as well there definitely was. I'm you can sorry. still buy yop. It's okay. Okay, so some parts Phew. of 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 the important buttress of our childhood remain extant. The good news is it's low fat and has no artificial sweeteners. <sighs> Just good old fashioned sugar. <laughs> it's made with skimmed milk. Oh, good. That'll make it particularly yummy. You... In fact, it's, made, it's yogurt made with reconstituted, reconstituted skimmed milk, skimmed milk, cream, skimmed milk powder, and lactic cultures. No fat, but it's got cream in it. Well, yeah, it's just cream thrown in there, in amongst all three different types of skimmed milk. Well, there is, oh my god, this tastes awful. <laughs> You're going to have to dollop in a bit of cream. And it's 6% sugar. Oh, okay, well, that's fine. I uh, might go and buy some yop. Yep. That's not bad, actually, 6%, is it? I might go and buy some yop later. Okay. Well, an interesting thing about yogurt is apparently the sugar content that they list is the sugar before the um, lactic bacteria did their work. So there could actually be a lot less sugar in yogurt than is, than is listed. Uh, if so, if your yogurt is particularly tangy, particularly sour, then chances are that the sugar content that is listed there is well off. On the other hand, if your yogurt tastes like pudding, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's real. Don't kid yourself. I'll tell you who does a good pudding tasting yogurt with low sugar is Weight Watchers. Do they now? It's low fat too, unfortunately, but it is. it does actually taste quite lovely and it's low sugar. Is it Toby enjoys himself one of those at most evenings? Do you not enjoy macadamia nuts? Did you complain about them? I don't have really. I don't have a strong opinion either way about macadamia nuts. <laughs> I know that you are the world's greatest fan, but I find them. Yeah, you, they, you, you find they're them sort so- of. A, I don't want to say umami, but there's a sort of. Um, there's a lot going on, but none of it particularly excites me. Well, actually, um, what I found recently is if you freeze them, they actually can taste quite sweet. Um, I don't know whether some sort of compound is brought out when it's frozen. Do try the frozen macadamia trick and tell me what you think. Because, I will one day. Because you freeze them and you bite into them. And as I say, they they have a slightly kind of interesting creamy texture and they're very Moorish. So do try it. Do try it, lovey. <laughs> I feel like we skipped over Mike Allen a bit. I just want to say that he was, uh, he presented, so he did the, the quizzes were the thing that I lived for. Oh, of course. 
I would a teenager. I would get back, and they were, they were they were on Friday night in particular. I remember, mm. and I do remember that I you know I'd I'd had some some horrible day at school, some terrible test and homework I hadn't done or whatever. So I'd come back on Friday night and it was a real kind of refuge. And I'd go and have a bath or something and listen to those quizzes in the bath. Or sometimes even listen and then listen to Weekending and marvel at how awful it was that was on Radio 4. But you're right. I, the quizzes were amazing. And, and the stupidity of the people who phoned in. I, think- I don't even remember the stupidity. I just What I distinctly remember is the help he'd give the comfort of it it was an hour long that was crucial yes um and it would be people phoning in trying to answer i think it was three or five questions in a row yes and then they would have a winner at the end yes and it was just so it was bomb i can only think of trite ways to describe it like warm cuddly jumpery sort of things but, but it I, really was. It just made me feel safe in the most turbulent years of, of, of my early life. But, yeah, I didn't find them as turbulent as you did, but I also found them... Well, no, no, they were, I had particularly easy teenage years. I didn't have any turbulence at the time, just but I was teenage a teenager. Hood, yeah. Just, yeah, just teenage No, I, 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 but I, I found it to be like that as well. And looking online, it seems that that was a general thing. It, it was something that a lot of youngsters actually felt. And... I'm not sure where they get it. To, well, they get it from rum doings. We know where they get it from. That's um, true. But it was a kind of really bland, anodyne, uh, rice yeah. rice puddingy sort of experience. <laughs> and and you know that uh, I'm not going to say they. I don't know if radio actually has that equivalent. I'm sure there are plenty of podcasts that do. I think people who listen to their favourite cuddly podcast really that is the equivalent today, isn't it? Well, we certainly. I mean, we get rather lovely emails from people saying that we that is what the service we provide for yeah, them. And it's not just us. I mean, any any podcast that people listen to now, for example, to, for, for me to fall asleep, there, now there is this very dull podcast where, as I said before, I think people li- that a couple of people listen to a Star Trek episode and spend an hour just talking about it in boring detail. And right. it, what's great about it is it doesn't matter if you fall asleep during it, it doesn't matter if you phase out and miss it, because none of it is important. But they're just chatting amiably about it. A podcast to fall asleep to, I strongly recommend Welcome to Night Vale. No, I I think Welcome... I, and, and a user has recommended... Well, our, our listener user has recommended Welcome to Night Vale, and I listened to it. And I'm sorry, I think it tries a bit too hard to be a little bit zany and sort of oh, off the well, wall. Well, the early and, episodes, oh, just listen, like fall I'm asleep almost me. Okay. Well, perhaps... I'll tell you what makes me fall asleep recently. What? Radio 4 Extra editions of Poirot. Really? I have... There's five episodes, each half an hour long. I think it's taken me about two weeks to get to the fifth episode, because I fall asleep within seconds of starting listening but if it's a detective thing doesn't that then you slightly wake up and then you say oh no i better skip back on my player because i missed that bit and you get all kind of worried that's the thing it's that bland it's that bland no it doesn't do it doesn't do that who who but you know that is the danger of a podcast that gets you or a broadcast that gets you just enough so that you then feel guilty for having phased out oh yeah absolutely have you um so uh, who plays poirot Oh, I've forgotten. It's not what's-his-name, is it? Uh, Suchet. Not David. Not Suchet, no. Mm. Uh, radio. Uh, what do I want? iPlayer. Radio iPlayer. Radio 4 Extra, surely. Yes, but it's all on the iPlayers, isn't it? It's all on the iPlayers. A la 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 la. 
do 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 This is the music I am using to fill my awkward gap. It's not very good. It's lovely. How dare you? I, I dare easily. Um, 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 <laughs> brilliantly, the little summary has dot, 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 at <coughs> Hercule Poirot. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, yeah, no, I, I like dot, dot, dot. John Moffat. Never heard of him, have you? No, nor have I. Let's see who he is. Let's do some deep-rooted investigations. Yes. John Moffat, on the IMDb's, mm-hmm. um, is an actor in Tom Jones in 1963. Mm, right, who cares? Um, he played Maigret. Oh, no, he didn't. He played Kumalu in Maigret for a series. Don't care, bored. Uh, what do you Hasn't th- done anything since what do you think of What do you think of Tony Blair's uh, Rise Up Against Exit Exhortation? Brexit. Um, uh, it, it's a useful voice, but uh, is not it, a very useful voice. But people hate Mr. Tony Blair's these days. He's yes, the most evil do. man in the universe. I know it's just, it's not going to convince anyone on the other side, but it's just I think there's if there's anything that can concrete the belief in people's hearts and minds that it is actually uh, rejectable at this point, then yeah, all power to him. But Teresa is making it very clear it's not rejectable. Yes, but at a certain point, when she can't get any of the deals that she wants, mm-hmm. there is a there is a line at which even the most Oh no, that's not true. The, <laughs> yeah. the light-hearted, the 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 people who were sort of on the fence, uh-huh. um, seem to be off the fence and on the side of Remain pretty much the day after the vote. So uh-huh. I think if there's enough argument to say, look, actually, it's going to be such a disaster for the for your Great Britain. Well, yeah, but I I also wonder um, what some economists have, quite a few economists now have said actually. If Brexit, uh, after Article 50 is signed, is as complex and as problematic as it looks like it will be, and that's the it, it, people are coming to the conclusion because she's so hell for leather for as hard a Brexit as possible. Mm. Um, if that's what's revealed in March, then pe- most economists are now betting that the dollar and the euro are going to reach parity with the pound, and some are saying that the pound will actually drop below. No oh, good grief. That'll be interesting, won't it? Not not so good. Although <laughs> be awful. It'll be a bit of a race, though, won't it? See if the dollar can go... Which, which administration can cause its currency to drop lower? <laughs> like a, a, a weird little uh, telly game show. I'm glad that nobody's scared of Trump anymore. Uh, as I said a couple of weeks ago, and it was hysterical. No, he's he's an incompetent man who's showing early signs of mental illness, and we should now show pity. Do you know who's still alive? Who? Sidney Poitier. No, he isn't. Yep. Why hasn't he done anything? Because he's 89. So what? That's no excuse. Maybe he's tired. Hmm. Maybe. I guess so. Um... Tell me something that you've eaten recently that you've liked. <laughs> I uh, ask this with with a purpose in mind. I'm trying to think of something interesting that I've eaten recently. Um, I can't think of anything. You haven't eaten I'm anything? Scared. The pressure is too much. I like shepherd's pie, Nick. That's so bland. I love shepherd's pie. Why? With a bit of ketchup. Ugh. Why? The blandest of the bland. Only if you make it blandly. If you make it well, it's not. 
What do you put in it? Do you put marmite to make the mince taste a bit more umami? No, no, not so good. A good dose of Worcester sauce. And a few good choices of herbs. Hmm. Well, you know what I like to put in a shepherd's pie that people find very controversial? I think we'll lose all our, our listener over this. Go on. Baked beans. You make me sick. <laughs> you really? No, that's awful. The, the mushy legumes polluting good, honest, lordly mince. That's pathetic. How dare you? <laughs> it's delish. Somebody's accusing me of... One, the listener accuses me of not having paid you... Not only 50p for Trump, but apparently I initially bet £7. Do you have I'd a recollection like, of this? I have no recollection of £7, but I'll accept it. I wish I could have accepted the 500 you offered. I, I'd like to apologise to that listener because I haven't replied to his emails yet because they you involve don't... going deep into thinking about my grief, and so I've been putting it off. You don't reply to any. That is not true. I replied to the last one. We get one email every three weeks or so, and I replied to the one before. I reply immediately and politely. I know you reply far too immediately. I know. I've, I've got a policy now. Um, there is this new um, attitude abroad that it's okay to ignore emails for a long time and not respond to them at all. And I'm having this from clients, and I'm having this from um, uh, pe- people we're paying to develop stuff and that kind of thing. I, I now make a point that when somebody emails, even if I don't have an immediate response, I confirm the email and I'm polite. Uh, same thing with texts and messages and things like that. I'm tired of this new notion that one can just ignore communication because you don't know whether it's been received or whether it disappeared into the ether and so on. I'm the only polite person left. You who, are. That's true. Because I'm who, not. Who still understands netiquette. Remember netiquette? Oh, I do. <laughs> yes. Does I wish any- I did a better job with email, but I don't because I get hundreds a day now and I just can't keep up. You can. I you can't. Just, you go bang, 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 bang. Yeah, but nobody ever... Those aren't people who are actually wanting to speak with you. A lot of them are I'm people not saying... About junk mail or PRs. It's, a lo- it's very... It's become a lot more personal, though, because the way around that is people write to you personally and say, um, I want to you to cover this game and here's why and i've picked you deliberately and then you feel really bad about not replying to it but i can't i just don't have time why don't you get your secretary to do it oh that's a good idea it is a good idea isn't it train toby up how's toby doing is he doing anything interesting these days that he wasn't doing a month ago is he showing any brain development yes he's developed fear oh good that's evolutionarily useful it is it's been very interesting and 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 um, frustrating to watch. So in the last week or so, we noticed he's got lots of toy animals, plastic animals, and he loves playing with them. Mm-hmm. And we noticed he'd, become, he'd started reassuring us as often as possible that the lions, tigers and dinosaurs are just friendly and not scary. OK. And this started off as fine. It was like, just friendly dinosaur, daddy, just a friendly dinosaur. And then I was like, cool. And he goes, and then, but it got sort of slightly more frantic. <laughs> Um, just not scary, daddy, not scary, sharp pointy teeth, not scary, daddy, just friendly dinosaurs. So, um, and then at night time, he started telling us that there were dinosaurs that were going to come in his room and get him and stuff. So, uh, right. The dinosaur lions and tiger toys are on holiday at the moment. They're on holiday, are they? Right. They are. Um, but so much of his, like his favourite toys are stuffed dinosaur and, you know, so much of his life he's got clothes with dinosaurs on. And if he's going to start being scared of dinosaurs, we have to sort of start his whole life again, really. So you tried to con his, the deepest part of his genome not to fear 
large angry predators but well, pretty much all children adore dinosaurs that's that goes without saying evolutionary the... well judy adores dinosaurs but again yeah. when she went to um the uh natural history museum and saw the animatronic dinosaur i mean she was utterly petrified by it yeah i can imagine mm. so but, uh yeah so that's been that's been interesting working out how to deal with it so we're just having to spend a like a night time bedtime is yet again with his borg shield updated yes. um so now, like last night, I was sitting on the floor next to his bed, just sort of talking through that there are no scary things. We don't let scary things in our house and that mummy and daddy wouldn't let them in and that we'd stop them if even if there were any and there aren't yeah, any. But does he, think you're, does he think you're uh, competent to do that? He does, which is really lovely. <laughs> I mean, you know what we had? Robert Morgan had an app on his phone which got rid of monsters, which he showed his, his daughter, apparently. Yeah. Um, uh, and what we did... I think with with Judy and we also recommended uh, Gregory do with Jessica is that there's actually an anti monster repellent spray you just spray around the room and the monsters refuse a lot of people recommended that on Twitter last night my fears for that are that he's just slightly too young to really understand it he doesn't know that there are repellent sprays for anything right um, and he's only twenty eight months so there's sort of don't say um, 28 months. You can stop well, saying the months now. If I say two, uh, uh, it doesn't really capture. Because she's two and, and ten months, and he would understand this stuff. But he's only two and four months, so he doesn't. Anyway. Mm. You could say um, he's nearly two. Well, he's over two. He's two and four months. Sorry, I think he... Yeah, he, he's yes. just two, you could say. He's two and four months. So there you go. You can cope with that. So, he is... Um, it's, it's all a bit... And the other thing I'm a bit fearful of is conf- is affirming his belief that there are d- threats that we need to spray to No, apparently away. apparently affirming beliefs is better because they trust you. You, you kind of say, yeah, I, I accept what you're saying and I'm going to be dealing with it rather than, oh, shush, you're... you're heightened imagination is nonsense and even though you feel it's real i'm just going to use words and that will reassure you that they're not real because that doesn't work of course and they start not trusting and think you're a bit of an idiot because obviously it's real because they feels it intensely so apparently affirming their fears but giving re uh, giving a reason to assuage them is the best way to do it I i don't think you'll convince him that there are not monsters i think you'll only convince him as you're saying that you you know very well how to deal with them I can't believe you're not complaining about the council road sweeper that just noisily dragged I, past our house. I've given up complaining. You it's have. probably oh, not council anyway. It's some uh, private uh, uh, company that the council has outsourced to. Well, it's got their logo on the side. Yeah, don't be conned. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's exciting and, and new, I suppose. Well, it is. It's important. Um, I don't like it, though. I want him to be happy all the time. There are rumours going around again, there were rumours going around again that Jeremy Corbyn was on the way out after his... How are we only halfway through this episode? Bloody hell! After his, after his Brexit debacle, um, do you, do you want to take some bets? Is he going to no. be out by the end of the year? I don't think he's ever going to leave. <laughs> no. yeah, yeah. He'll prop up his rotting corpse in his chair. It'll be no a bit like... Notice. A f- he could die in that office and no one would notice for a couple of or, weeks. Or it'll be a bit like Futurama where they'll just plop his head in a jar. Uh, uh, it, 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 as I've said before, it is so sad that we don't have a functioning um Imagine opposition. an opposition at this point. Sorry, I'm going to make some noises now. I'm just going to wiggle my chair around. You can learn to live with it, listener, you sugar-faced two-poo bumhole. Mm, that was a good bit of invective there. It's <laughs> good, wasn't it? Lovely. I like inventing swears to say to Toby. Do you? Have you got yeah. him to say anything? 
I like saying, well, when things go wrong around him, and I want to, I want to uh, go, just say, drop an S bomb. Yes. And I have to make up new ones. So I go, oh, Willy Bum Poo Holes. And he goes, ha ha, Willy Bum Poo Holes. Oh, do you know a, a, a um, recent study has confirmed once again that uh, entanglement and what Einstein called spooky action at a distance is very real. And so they, they looked at some starlight from 600 years ago uh, to confirm this, which means that um, for this to have been some sort of clever, premeditated, hidden variable thing, the star 600 years ago would have had to have somehow decided or predicted what the lab equipment was going to do today. Uh, which seems a little impractical and would what? be more I don't I've I have no idea what you're talking about. You you know what quantum entanglement is. No, I don't. Oh quantum entanglement that's when um you can split up two electrons and put them either side of the world and well, spin one up, and the other you, one will start you, spinning the same. Is well, that right? Not not so much split up two electrons, but um well here's an example. Um you know that E equals M C squared, that means ma- matter can become energy and energy can become matter. Right. Okay. But the but the so for example, um if you so a photon, a particle of light, could become in certain circumstances two electrons, uh, or no, not two electrons, but two charged particles. Right, but okay. of course, the universe requires balance. So one of the particles would have to be an electron, and the other particle would have to be a positron. Right. So 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 everything's still balanced, even though it's being split. You you can't suddenly create you you can't create a debit or a credit without there being uh, the, the double entry bookkeeping there. So. Uh, there's another uh, aspect of um, uh, and, and another thing that requires an opposite, and that's called spin. Uh, and it's not actually spinning, but it has some of the properties of spin. So when you uh, convince a particle effectively to split into two other particles like that, there has to be a one side would have to be spinning in one direction, the other side, the other particle would have to be spinning in the opposite direction to uh con- cons- to to be properly conservatory. Uh now the problem is when when you initially uh split these split these particles the spin is not determined it's a uh, superposition so it's kind of all spins. So once you so you could move these particles to the opposite sides of the universe and you look at one of the particles and it immediately collapses its spin to let's say uh either um, and we'll say either clockwise or counterclockwise, which means that immediately when somebody looks at that other particle, even if they do it, say, a second later, that spin will be guaranteed to be the opposite of what you've looked at. So if, right. if your spin has collapsed to clockwise, then if he looks a second later and he's on the other side of the universe, his spin will be counterclockwise. Does he have to be a second later? Isn't it simultaneous? No, but I'm saying if he if he looks a second later, it will be counterclockwise. It doesn't matter if it's simultaneous because light takes longer than a second to travel across the universe. But so it would it, mean. No, hang on. If light traveling across the universe takes uh, de- years and decades pre- and hundreds of years. Precisely. So how does his particle know yeah, a second okay. later? Okay. What position to take? Now, people have said, well, maybe when you split the particles up, there was some special sort of uh, variable hidden. So it knew. It said, look, if if I go like, so it said, if you look, I'm going to be I'm going to be spin up, and you be spin down, or whatever. So So it's pre-programmed, like a pre-programmed thing. But but there have been some interesting um, 
tests, if you, if anybody wants to look up Bell's inequality, um, there have been some tests which show that actually the pre-programming cannot work because if you look at a number of different particles and you do, and you, you force them to, uh, uh, to, to go through certain, uh, collapses and so on, you find out that the results you get are not compatible with that sort of hidden variable pre-programming. And there's even something called, if you really want to have your mind blown, look up, um, the, de- the um, delayed quantum eraser, where you effectively, it, it's like the, um, you know, the split, uh, the, the, the double split experiment, but it has one side of the double split experiment, uh, it, but it uses entangled particles and has one side going through the split and, and hitting the detector uh, relatively early. And then the other, the other particle on the other side, the other entangled particle has to go through a much longer path but it's got like a prism which it can randomly go through and if it goes through one side of the prism then it means that we know which path it took we know which slit it went through but if it goes through the other side of the prism then it's randomized and we don't know which slit it went through so so <laughs> so but but it's taking a longer path so what happens is the first particle remember has a really short path and it and it hits the detector and you see either an interference pattern which means that we don't know which slit they went through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you see the pile up, which means they do. Now, well, here's what's interesting. You see that you see that either interference pattern or pile up before the second particle <laughs> has hit the prism. Oh good. Oh good. I'm glad so, you do. So so it looks like it it kind of the, the thing that goes through the prison goes back in time and says, yeah, I went through this way. So you kind of know which slit I went through. So you need to show the, you need to show the pile up of particles or it's okay. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I'm, I'm just coming back in time to tell you that you need to show an interference pattern because I just realized in your future that I've, um, that, that, <laughs> that, that I'm indeterminate. So yeah. So does and, that mean, and this does... has been tested in the lab. So there are a number of theories about that. But what it what it tests two things. It tests what we've already been discussing. But it also what it, what it tests in a very interesting way is people thought, okay, it's it's the detector that's somehow affecting the experiment. But the thing is, both these particles are going through the detectors. It's just that in one in, in, in the prism deletes the information we got from the detector, or it doesn't. If you see what I mean, because if, if, if it kind of gets refracted, then, then the information the detector gives us is useless. So it's not like the detector is interfering with the particle and collapsing it in a funny way. So people have said, so it's actually the knowledge of the state that's important. So people have said, then there's a big argument. Does, does knowledge imply consciousness? And this is where it gets philosophical. And people said, no, because even if we, just record what goes on in the back wall on a computer or take a photo of it, uh, we still get the same patterns. It doesn't require a human eye to immediately look at it. Okay. But, but that brings up an interesting philosophical question because at some point, some human... Yes, does the photograph... ...is looking at the photograph or looking at the computer data. And if we already know that particles can appear to go back in time and fiddle the results... Um, where does that leave us? So if our listener would like to tell me how you get out of that one, I'd be very interested to know. My question is, and I am obviously ignorant 
on this. I keep yes. wanting to. I keep wanting to do a podcast in which I go and ask nuclear physicists or proper, you know, experts to explain this to me until I understand it. And mm-hmm. it can be an exercise in utter infuriation for the listener as they go, oh, "I get it. Why doesn't he get it yet?" Um, the, the the math anyway. The, so no, the, the math is, is the math is very complicated, but actually yeah. the what it reveals is actually quite simple. But my question is, are they going back in time, or are they merely not control confined by time? Yes. So it, if they're travelling through time, that seems of more consequence than if they're simply <clears throat> time isn't a factor for them. To, that's not a dimension they no. need to worry about. No, what it suggests is that what what it suggests is that our perception of time in uh, as it is is not the full picture. Yeah, and it has more of a you know, time is is not the dimension, the linear dimension that we think it is. I guess that's all. But that's... don't you at that point? Start making some really sound arguments for for woo. Well, now I can be psychic if I can ex- if I can ex- exploit this. No, because um, at the macro level, all this stuff disappears. Sadly, yeah, that's true. You know, um, but my so... macro is made of micro. It just it know. is, but it's 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 a bit like a pointillist picture. You know, pictures made of tiny mm-hmm. dots. Um, it doesn't matter how hard you try. If you look at that picture from 20 feet away, it just looks like a picture. It's not right. going to suddenly become all dotty. The only way for it to be all dotty is for you to be an inch or two away from it. Right. And that's kind of how this works. So, yeah, w- amazing things happen when you look close up. But if, if, you're, if you're 20 feet away and you take a medium resolution photograph of it, it's still just going to look like a picture no matter how hard you try okay. and make it not. And you say, but it is made up of darts. And you say, yeah, well, sorry, it's not going to affect you unless you get very, 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 very close up. And I think it's that same sort of. Now, it does, however, suggest that our picture of the un- underlying reality is pretty wrong and that locality cannot really be true okay and, uh, in as much as our notion of what is close and what isn't and what that implies is faulty um, now the good thing poor old einstein got very worried about this because of course he did prove that uh no signal can travel faster than light no information can travel faster than light. Mm-hmm. So to have these particles at opposite ends of the universe somehow communicating what their opposite state should be caused him some problem. That's why he called it spooky action at a distance. Indeed, he set this all up. He, he kind of looked at the maths and he looked at the implications and he said, uh, your, quantum mechanics is wrong because if your maths were right, then if we separated these particles, then they would right. do this. As, and obviously they don't and they won't. So therefore you're wrong. Sadly, we, we've done the experiment and they do. Wow. So what was a, <laughs> you crazy people, this is what you're implying. <laughs> Turn out, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's what happens. Um, so, and that's but, why Jeremy Corbyn's still the leader of the Labour Party. Yeah. Fortunately for Einstein, though, um, the, it, you can't transmit information with it. Because if you have, remember, it's with the thing with quantum, it's completely random until it collapses. It, yeah. So, so if, so if, 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 um, Alice on one side of the universe opens up her box and looks and sees that it's collapsed into a spin up, 
then yes, when Bob looks, it'll be a spin down. But for Bob to know, he'd have to then send a normal signal with with radio waves saying, "Oi, Alice, yeah. what was your signal?" Yeah. And so you would have to validate using normal transmission. So you would just get a bunch of random stuff. It doesn't work. It's Could a pity. you not use it? Why can't you use it to communicate without caring that the other has received it? So if I say, I'm going to collapse, it, it seems it's taken as a series of on-off switches and collapse them in the right order such that the, at the other end, they will have, they'll spell out the message. But you can't, how do you spell out the message? How do you transmit the bit? Because it's completely random. You just get line noise. So you can't, you can't cause it to cook, pick a spin? Absolutely not. Right, okay. Absolutely not. It's completely random. Okay. So what you'd have to do is you'd so have to... So much for quantum computing. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's the thing about quantum computing. Because it's in a superposition, um, each of these things can hold lots of information at once and filter out the right answer. Uh, apparently, it's going to screw up some encryption, so you're just going to have to have yeah. quantum... But, but it's not all encryption. I mean, there was a bit of hysteria about that. It just means that there are certain algorithms that are susceptible to quantum computing and there are algorithms that are not so we're just going to have to adapt or die yeah well so, counter to that mm-hmm. at night time we tell toby stories do you you've ever heard of this concept it's a very um, middle class thing uh to not want your child to be a gormless moron correct yes yeah. um uh, but we don't read Brexit. stories to him we make up stories because uh, that's just how things have evolved no good, you need to read stories. Well, of course we read stories to him all day long, but um, at bedtime, we make, okay. up sto- we make up stories. So he, we ask him, uh, so I, he sits on my lap and I ask him what he wants a story about. And oftentimes, recently, lots of stories about Daddy's eyeball going on adventures. Okay. And um, it often roll to places where Toby goes and do things Toby does, and he finds this hilarious. No monsters, of course. No monsters, just eyeballs plopping out of Daddy's head and rolling <laughs> off on the road. That's not a to- not not He doesn't worry about that one bit. No. Uh, last night he asked for a Toby's Willy story. Really? Yes. Mm. Uh, so uh, I said, you want a story about your Willy? And he said, yes. So I said, um, uh, how does your Willy go off on its own? And he replied, <laughs> it pu- plops out of Toby's bumhole. Right. That's what I wanted to share with you. <laughs> Did you laugh when he said I laughed so loudly he didn't know what to do. It plops out of Toby's bumhole. <laughs> is he trying to tell you something? I said, Toby, why is your willy up your bumhole? He doesn't want to go up your bumhole. You're, you are so homophobic. I don't think, I don't think putting your willy up your own bumhole is, 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 is um, a normal act for anyone. Why not? Because... How dare you define what's normal? <laughs> because this normative, straight white man. I think it's... I think it's yucky to put your own willy up your own bumhole, and I'm standing by that. You can put your willy up someone else's bumhole. If that's your choice, that's fine oh, with me. Oh, hello, church But of your England. own bumhole, that's where I draw the line, Nick. That's what my Bible tells me. Did you? Oh, talking about what your Bible tells you, did you see the Church of England vote yesterday? It was a bit of a muddle, wasn't it? To ignore, to ignore the report or something, and one of the vicars said, oh, I got a bit confused and didn't know the meaning of uh, reject or accept. I pressed the wrong... Ooh. That was such a pathetic vicar thing to do, wasn't it? Was it? A, it was a bish, I believe, rather than a vic. Same thing. 
I can't believe. Oh, I got a, a moment not the of same thing. If I've got a bishop uh, and I play it against your vicar, I win. That's true. A moment, a moment of confusion. I forgot what <laughs> accept meant versus reject. It really was so funny when I read that news story. I just thought it sounded like it just sounded like the same vocabulary for his explaining away the homosexual affair that he had. Yes. Oh, my. I just pressed the wrong button in a moment of confusion. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. And you wonder whether these people are deluding themselves, they're lying, but they're thinking they're lying for a greater cause, or whether they are just slightly retarded in the true sense of the word. I mean, it's not a pretty picture of your church, John. It's not my church, mister. I know, your church. Do you know what they do, the vicars? They're really wacky. They wear, they wear Batman uh, coats. <laughs> what is it? Have you gone mad? I haven't gone mad. Laura tweeted of your 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 bishop when he was preaching to you about hellfire. <laughs> oh, yes. oh, I see what you mean. I thought you meant like no. in the Church of England they do wear no, crazy no. Batman clothes. No, but he wears a cool shirt with Batman on it. He was, look, Laura dared him to wear a stupid fancy dress shirt. So he and it was the the birthday of the church, so he did. He accepted Laura's dare. Well, no, that's not good enough. He what he should have worn was um, some shirt with lots of Arabic writing on it, praising Allah or something like that. that well, Laura, been... unfortunately, Laura wasn't witty enough to dare him to do that. Or a shirt that had a pretty lady on it with not that many clothes. That, why? Why should he have worn that? Because that would have been a dare. I Nobody see. cares about Batman. Batman's not a dare. Everybody loves Batman. No, they don't. Batman's a, 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 a monstrous human being. But he's a good Christian. He's not a good Christian at all. I don't know who he is. He fights he inequality turn the other cheek. Evil. He goes and punches the other cheek without checking first whether he should or not. He's a fascist. Batman is a fascist. He also has a lot of money, which he doesn't. I don't know if he tithes. <laughs> does, does, does Bruce Wayne tithe? Does I recently it? watched all of Christopher Nolan's Batman movies and then uh, Zack Snyder's ghastly uh batman versus superman i've not watched that of and then i watched i watched suicide squad the last couple of nights yeah. they are not good films christopher nolan's batman films were are awful i remember seeing the first couple at the cinema and thinking they're okay but they weren't i was wrong no they were portentous nonsense they were they, they were also just outright bad too they were weirdly no, the, the mismatch. Biggest... So you had this super grumbly dark Batman, but then these weird camp '60s Batman moments in there. There's a, there's a character in the second film who, when the sewer, no, the first one, when the sewers are about to blow up because of the water pressure, who is cut to three different times, and all three times says, "If this doesn't, if we don't relieve the pressure, it's gonna blow." And he says that three times in a row. Is there is there any Batman franchise that is actually acceptable? Or is Batman first, just a crappy the character? The first Tim Burton one is is probably the only good one. Good or acceptable? I don't know. I need to watch it again because I'm I don't trust my memory on these. Well, things watch anymore. it again and report report back next episode, please. Okay. Will you do that for us, Lovey? Probably, darling. Okay, shall we say goodbye to the listener? Oh, I think we should. I like this episode because it's not it's been back to the old ways. It's not just been us wittering on about Donald Trump or something. Yeah, I mean it started uh, it started a little slow, but I think it warmed up and now that we're simmering nicely and the little skin of milk's appeared on the top, so let's end. Okay. Bye. Love you. Bye-bye.